Hey friends, Andy Jenkins. I am here at the Hilltop. This is, this, this kind of marks a, a day. Okay, here's, here's the day it marks. And not significant in the grand scheme of anything and everything. It marks the end of this five series talk that I've been sharing with you all about breaking Christianity, breaking faith down into super simple, really, really what I think is just the essence, some of the core things. Now, now I know this doesn't answer all about it. This doesn't, it's not the final word. That's not the point. The point was just to, when I taught this 11 years ago, make it simple, give people traction, somehow a path to begin walking out. That's really what I want to do here, here, here with you. Now, let me tell you really quickly where this came from. I've said this, I think for the last four episodes, this will be the final one where you got to hear it. Okay, so 11 years ago, we were at a small group at the Birmingham Dream Center, January through about August, and the group just exploded from a handful of people to 250 to 300 by the end of August. It was a great season. Every Tuesday night, we would meet at about five. We would fire up the grill. We eventually had to get a bigger grill and then had to get multiple grills and then a huge trailer grill. We would feed people in the neighborhood. Most of them, in fact, 95, 99% of them would stay. They would go inside. We'd kind of open up the doors where they had the big bay where they used to park. The Birmingham Dream Center is an old fire station where they used to park the fire trucks. We would have this big Bible study in there. My friend Rob, he would lead music. Uh, about two songs. I would get up there and teach for about 20 minutes, would pray for people, have a lot of fun, connect before it, connect after it. It became this incredible season where people were even leading small groups before the big small group, leading small groups after the big small group. It was a lot of fun. And in fact, that was kind of the metric is this twofold question we would ask every single week when we were planning the small group that really wasn't that small. In all honesty, number one, does it edify, build, elevate, lift up Jesus? Is he honored? Question number two, is it fun? And, and really, our metric was it needs to be both. So we began by really teaching people about radical grace. All the information about that is in the ebook that you can get in the links below. Redemption is the name of that ebook. Redemption is a word that means freedom. And really, the argument in that book is that at the cross, Jesus set you free from at least seven different things. So he's been way more successful on the cross than you and I typically give him credit for. And, and all of that applies to our life, not just in the future. It all applies to life now. So that was the series I taught. I eventually put it into an ebook form. Then it became a book. If you want the book, you can buy the paperback book. But but I want to highlight there is the old version of the book for about five bucks in the link below. Beth and I, I think we still have some. As of the recording of this, we have a few. Um, but but I recorded the intros to all five of these at the exact same time. Just in full disclosure, we were going through the garage cleaning out just shelves or had old stuff and we found like 40 or 50 copies of several old books and and that was one of them and so we thought well let's let's put it on the website if people want it instead of throwing them away instead of tossing them you know in the dumpster somewhere let's just put it on the website if people want it uh, and, and they'll pay basically what amounts to the shipping we got to buy an envelope got to pay post office get it to you we'll send it your way and we would love to give it to you the, the old version is the same as the new version it's just a different cover. It's just a different outfit, different uniform. That's it. 
After we taught all of that content 11 years ago at the Birmingham Dream Center, the question then became, what do people need to know next? We're, we're trying to take them on a journey. What, what do they need to know now that they have a glimpse of radical, unbalanced, unchained, unrestrained grace? And so after a few conversations, what, uh, what we, that was, that was kind of the lead team that was planning. So myself, uh, my friend Rob, um, my friend Jason, friend Robert, Dr. Record, what we decided people needed next was just a practical, just, just, just kind of some hangers to understand how to walk out their faith, how, how to live out the reality of what so many of them had just awakened to. I mean, during that season, we, we baptized, I think, maybe a hundred people by this point. And so we boiled it down. You know, week number one in that series was, hey, just take the next best step. Let Jesus into the boat. Do the next thing that he tells you to do. Number two, hey, remember, this thing is not about get, getting information. It's not about collecting data or, you know, understanding all the stories. Those are all great. They'll inform you. You'll catch up in time. It's about transformation, not information. That was number two. Number three was just be the best wherever you are. Yeah, sure. God has great things ahead of, of you. He's got this call that's on your life that scripture says in Ephesians 2, he intended before time began, but the way to open that up is just to be a great steward of where you are now. Start being faithful in the small where you are. So often that opens up the door to the next thing. God's, God knows your address. He knows where you are. He ordained the times and seasons in which you would live. He knows what you're doing right now, and he has got a roadmap to get you from where you are to everything he's designed you to be. Well, we then talked about, well, let's talk about sharing our faith. And what is that? That's, as we talked about in the previous lesson, a previous episode, that's really just about sharing the hope that you have. Hey, you had a lot of people that were coming had drug charges and criminal offenses and, and ha had addictions they were overcoming. And, you know, they had family strained relationships. And, and, and honestly, a lot of the things are true, whether you live in the inner city live in the suburbs. I mean, the struggles are common across the board, wherever we are. And so when you're able to, here's the key, share the reason for the hope that's inside of you, people connect on so many levels. Why? Because life is beautiful. Life is also hard. And so many people are struggling. The fifth and final lesson that we taught, it is what I'm sharing with you today, which, which is this. It's all about prayer, which which I think, I still remember it from a series I taught, oh man, it's probably been 20 years ago now, prayer, it's constant communication with God, okay? It's constant communication with God for the purposes of living in relationship with Him, of learning His agenda, and accessing His power and provision for all of life. You and I would so often think it's about just giving Him a list. We think, oh, that's when I come to God, and I just toss stuff up to heaven. And if and if it's hitting the ceiling or if I'm not connected, like it just, and, and here's what I want to do. In this talk, we're going to dispel a lot of that, and we're going to boil it down just to the essence and make it super simple. Not going to make it like a high jump. Not going to make it like a pole vault or some lofty thing that you got to overcome. We're, we're going to make it just like, just like laying down this little rope on the line and just jumping over simple okay so here it is 
Uh, this is the final talk in this series. So, so enjoy it. I'll be back at the end. Uh, I'm so grateful to be here here with you. Um, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about just breaking down Christianity just to simplify it. And in one week, if you remember weeks ago, I talked about just Christianity. We often think it's this long journey, and, and it is. But when you when you look at it, instead of looking at the long distance that, that we've got to go, what, what I encourage you to do is just look at the single next step of obedience. And if we just keep taking the one next step, then we'll end up exactly where God has for us. So we, we, we took that idea. We took the idea of, of God hasn't called us all to kill giants like David did, um, but he's called us all to be faithful uh, exactly where we are. And if we just do that small service right where we are, that eventually, uh, you know, that was what led the opportunity for David to kill the giant was he's, he's serving bread and cheese. Uh, what I want to do tonight is just break down in the same way, just the idea of prayer. And, and let me tell you just what the basic point of this whole thing is going to be, and, and then you'll know when we get there, is, is this. Prayer is primarily not about what you say. Now, if we passed around a, a note card in here and said, everybody write down your definition of prayer, we would all fill in something that said something like this, that's when I talk to God, right? Or that's when God listens and I go into my closet and I, I say some things. And certainly it is important what you say when you talk to God. And, and he says to, to lay out your heart before him. And he, and he says, you know, ask me for what you need. And he says some of these verses that we'll look at. But prayer is not primarily about what you say. It is primarily, I'm going to kind of say tonight, it's primarily about what you don't say. It's primarily about all the other stuff that's going on. Now, let me just show you in the Bible and just break down some things about prayer. And uh, we'll, we'll just get rocking along here. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is there and he's in the Sermon on the Mount. And if you look at Matthew 6 verse 5, Jesus says this phrase. He says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Now, now Jesus here is not saying that when you pray, no one should ever hear you. When we pray in here, people hear. When we pray at the dinner table, people hear. What he's saying is that when we pray, we're praying to be seen by God. And people might happen to hear based on where we are. Do you guys seem to understand that? So prayer is primarily connecting with God, not connecting with other people. But notice what Jesus said. He said, first words out of the sentence, when you pray. You kind of get it? When. When you pray. He assumes that there's going to be this time when you and I pray. And, and it might be, just to be honest, um, because I, I grew up with just some weird prayer ideas. Uh, it, it might be when you're about to go take an exam, right? Or you're going before a judge or the principal or somebody that could discipline you in some way. Or you're having a tough conversation with a friend that you need to forgive you for something. You, you might pray then. Uh, when, I, when I was growing up, we prayed uh, just about every night before bedtime when we're kind of doing the bedtime story drill. And uh, here's, here's how I prayed. Uh, my brother, uh, I've got a younger brother, two years uh, younger, but uh, much bigger than I am. And, and we would pray. And, and one night I would go first, uh, and the next night he would go first. And, and the next night I would go first, so you kind of see, so we could be fair, just back and forth, back and forth. And when I prayed first, I would pray with the goal of praying to where there'd be nothing left for him to pray. All right, so I'm praying, uh, dear Lord, thank you for 
aunt, uncle, cousin, trees, house, pictures on the wall in the house of the tree, uh, or picture on the wall in the house with the tree in it, person sitting in the tree in the picture. Uh, thank you for the, oh, the wall. Thank you. I mean, just every food, food that we had last night, food that we're going to have tomorrow. I mean, just trying to eliminate everything that he could possibly pray for. That's, that's the goal. Okay, see, I was praying. Um, but not really, because I'm praying for men, or in this case, praying for kids to outdo the kid, uh, which I'm one of, not, not for God. Do you see? Um, so we, we do that. Uh, if you grew up in church, you have weird prayer drills. Um, see, see if you ever did this. Anybody ever group pray, right? And you just, you know, hey, at the end of Sunday school class or at the end of a Bible study, we're all going to pray. And you do this thing where you just say, hey, whoever wants to pray, just pray right? And, and the awkward thing about that is, how are you going to know when to pray? Because you might pray when somebody else is about to talk, right? And that would just be weird, right? Because, you know, you want to just keep it in order. And so I have a friend I went to church with, and when he was small, they did this drill. You know, you know that game electricity where you kind of squeeze? If you don't know, don't worry about it. I don't want to get on a rabbit trail. But what, what they do is, so you would know it's safe to pray, you're in a circle and you all hold hands. That's a nice unifying gesture when you pray, always. And you would pray, but you're holding hands with the person on the left, person on the right. When you're done, you squeeze their hand. And so they know now it's safe to pray. You don't say amen because that would end the whole prayer. And the amen is really kind of the closing of the book on the prayer. So you don't want to do that. But so they know you squeeze them and then they pray. And then they pray what they're going to pray, which is not something that's already been said, right? So you kind of got to do that drill. And then they squeeze, next person prays. They squeeze, next person prays. Well, it gets to this guy, my friend, and he doesn't have anything to say. It's been a big group. It's all done. He's out of stuff, just like I did with my brother. And so they squeeze him, and he passes on the group prayer. And so he just goes ahead and squeezes the person next to him. And you know what they did? they squeezed right back. Like they passed and said, back at you. Okay. So he kept squeezing and they kept squeezing back and he kept squeezing and they kept squeezing back and they're stuck in this. Okay. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Right. I mean, you know, the Hail Mary prayer when you're in trouble that, I mean, it's a valid prayer. Um, the praying somebody else out of the prayer prayer, um, the let's just get through the drill so we can eat or go to bed or do whatever it is we're going to do because we got to pray because we're Christians prayer. He's just saying when, when you pray, assuming that we'll pray, but it'll be a real prayer. Here's the deal. When Jesus prayed, it was so different than any prayer anybody else was praying. In fact, in Luke 11, I didn't even put it up there. Luke 11, it says this. One time when Jesus was in a certain place, his disciples saw him and they said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Think about that. They were Jewish men. They knew how to pray. Every Jewish man in Jesus' day would pray three times a day, at least morning, noon, and night. They had prayers for everything. They're all throughout the Bible, all these blessings and benedictions. And they look at Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And it's so odd because, you know, if I was there with those guys, I would not be wasting an ask to Jesus, I don't think, on show me how to pray. Right? I would say, hey, Jesus, this is the only thing they ever asked him to do, to show them. I, I might do the, hey, Jesus, that raising the dead thing you did a couple times, teach me that. You know, the, the healing somebody, and the disciples eventually did this, but the healing somebody, I mean, show me how to do that. I mean, you think about it. blind men, 
show me that. The, one time Jesus needed to pay taxes, and so he said, hey, Peter, go get a fish out of the river and pull it out. And there was a coin in the fish's mouth. Hey, show me that. I got it. You know, I need to eat, right? Or you think about, I mean, some of us, the water to the wine, that's not a bad trick, right? Show me. Which leads me to think there was something profound about the way Jesus connected with this heavenly father that they saw. They said, teach me, show me. That's the one thing that, that I want to see. Look, look at the Bible. Look at the Bible. Verse 6. Jesus says, but I, I say to you, when, there it is again, when you pray, okay, which we haven't even defined yet, when, when you pray, go into your room, and when you shut the door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place, and your Father who sees you in secret, say with me if you know they're at rest, He will reward you openly. Okay, so this prayer thing, it is this private thing, not just that nobody sees it, but it's primarily between us and God, right? And it's this thing that has a public, profound result that changes stuff. Do you see it? Like reward, you go to prayer for gain. Do you see it? You go to prayer, and I don't think I'm like doing an injustice to the scriptures because it says he, he will reward you. You go to prayer for gain, for, for change. Do you see? So let's define it, and let's talk about prayer. And let me just kind of couch it and put it this way. The biggest myth that you and I, I think, have about prayer is that it matters most what we say. That it matters most somehow how we fit all of the phrases together. That it matters somehow how we make everything articulated just right. And so because of that, we, we teach kids how to pray, right? We sat down at the dinner table one night. And we were there with uh, one of my nephews, and uh, he's at the dinner table. He's about to pray to bless. I want to pray, I want to pray, I want to pray, I want to pray. Remember, you going to pray. Everybody prays. And he starts praying, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the word my soul to keep. And about halfway through, we all look up, and we're like, you got to be kidding. And he catches it, and he goes, oh, I'm sorry. Um, God is great. God is good. Goes into another formula prayer for the food. Okay? It's, again, it's this thing where... Somehow, it's not about what and how exactly you say it, but we somehow make it exactly like, well, I remember growing up, uh, you know, always seeing these, these written prayers, and, and, and I'm not against them. They're, they're sometimes good, and they can lead you to, to, to the throne of grace. But I remember it got extremely bad when I went to this church where I worked when I was in seminary. And it was, a, it was a first Baptist, and it was a traditional, and it was big, and it was very formal. And, and I'll tell you who was in the church. It was country boys. It was good old boys. This was in Waco, Texas. And so all the country boys would get together for prayer. And when they came to pray at the beginning of the service, they, like, we thought it was somehow not about connecting with God, but it was about how he said it. And so we talked like William Shakespeare. Have you guys done that? And so it's, it's kind of like you change out of just, God, it's, it's me. I'm your son or I'm your daughter. And you shift into this, you know, eloquent, we bits thee to come hence into our presence and doeth what thou wilt. We don't talk like that. These are good old, good old boys. And somehow there's a reverence, but there's a balance between the idea of we're approaching God, but it's not about how how we say it necessarily. It's more about connecting with this heart. Do you, do you see? You see going with the scripture here. Jesus says, verse 7, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. They think they will be heard for their many words. Like he's saying they think they will be heard because of how they say it is what he's saying. 
says, if you'd done that, where you, you say the prayer, and then you say it in another way, and then you say, well, I didn't quite get it all. I, I got saved about 58 times when I was younger because I wasn't sure if I said the salvation prayer in just the right way. And so I'd say it, and then right after I said the amen, I'd think about it for about five minutes and think, well, I don't know if I repented of all my sins, so maybe I need to say it in another way. Or I would be praying for somebody to be healed when I was growing up, somebody sick in the hospital they loved, a grandparent. And I would pray, and then, well, maybe I didn't say it the right way. And so let me, let me say it again. And then you got to put in Jesus' name at the end, and then maybe you got to say it a little bit in Jesus' name. you got to emphasize in Jesus' you got to say, you see, you just got to say it the right way in Jesus' name. No, 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 don't, don't, it's not, don't obsess on how you say it. They think they'll be heard for how they say it. You, you see the difference? And, and look what Jesus says. He says, he says, do not be like them for your heavenly father knows what you need. Notice what it says, before you ask. Do you see? Jesus knows what you need. Do you get this? before you ask. Just like say that to yourself. Jesus already knows what I need before I ask. So it's, it's not as important what I say as it is who I'm connecting to. Do you see that? Because he knows what I need before I ask. Now the Bible says it's, it's good to ask. He encourages you to ask. In fact, Matthew 7, 7, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. In James 4, 2, he says, he says, you don't have because you don't ask. So you can ask, but Jesus says, I already know what you need before you ask. Do you see? So it's not so much about how you say and getting it in just the right order. It's not about necessarily even taking a list to your heavenly father. Sometimes I approach him with this huge list where I, I feel like maybe he needs to have stenographers up there writing stuff down and, and taking notes. And then sometimes, honestly, the list is so long that I've got to take before him that I even just get overwhelmed by it. And it just shuts me down because I don't even know where to start on the list. And it's like your heavenly father looking at you saying, I already have the list. You see, I already know everything you need. He also says this to you. Romans 8, 28 says that he says, I'm already working out everything for your good. In Romans 8, 28, just the Bible way, it says, works out everything for the good. All things work together for the good, for those who are called according to his purposes. So he says, I already know what you need before you ask. I already have your list. Okay. Don't worry. Don't get anxious about how you say it and get in the right order. Just approach me humbly as your heavenly father. Just approach me and come sit with me, knowing that I already know what you need, knowing that I already have the list that you are going to bring to me. And, and feel free to ask me and I'll give to you. But know that I already have the list, so don't be burdened by your list. And know that I'm already working out everything for your good. Everything for your good. Do you understand? He's working everything everything that you're burdened by on that list. He's working out the illness. He's working out for your good. The job situation, the dream that you had, the, the I'm single and I'm getting older and where are all the good men or good women gone? Or, you know, I mean, all the, all the, th what am I going to be when I grow? All the things he says, I, I'm working that out for your good. Let me give you another one that he says, okay? Because he says, I, ha I have the list. I'm working it out for your good. The last one is, is, is this. Hebrews 7, 22 says this, it says that, that he, Jesus, he always lives to intercede for you. 
that right now he is praying for you at the right hand of the Father. And it says because of that, the scripture actually says in Hebrews 7.22, says he is able to save. The word there is sozo. Just a footnote. We talked about it a couple months ago. If you were here, where we just talked about that word save. It doesn't mean just the forgiveness of sin. It means healing. It means financial provision. It means mental health. It means emotional well-being. It's, it's the total package of everything he does. It says he's able to do all of that, all the things that fill our list, because right now he lives to intercede for you. He prays for you. He's speaking to your heavenly father on your behalf. Do you see it? So what is prayer? What, what is it? It is when we come in and we just connect with the heart of God and we just wait on him and sit with him. And if we talk, it's good. If we don't have words to say, it's okay because he has the list. If we have words and we're frustrated, it's, it's fine. If you read the Psalms, when David prays, sometimes he's angry, sometimes he's sad. Sometimes he just vents and blows steam and the end resolves it with realizing, wow, God, God you're, you're for me. You're working this for my good somehow, even though I don't understand. You're, you're interceding for me somehow. You're, you're working on my behalf. C.S. Lewis, the Chronicles of Narnia guy, I got a quote up here, last thing. He, he, says, he says it like this. He says, the function of prayer, it's not to influence God. And, and I would just kind of insert right there, but it does influence him. I mean, he answers prayer and he moves and he, and he changes things when we ask, okay? C.S. Lewis, he's just bringing up this idea, though. He says, the, the primary thing is not to influence God so, so much as it to change the nature of the one who prays, right? Because when you're there with him and you're sitting, you realize he, he knows he loves me, right? He knows he loves you. He's for you. He's working it out, and he's there speaking with you. Do you see? Let's try it. I just want you to wear just brow your head. Let's just try it. Let's just see if he'll speak to you. So I want you to listen just wherever you are. And I just bet that your heavenly father right now will talk to you. And he's going to tell you the next step for you, the next step of obedience in your life. He's going to tell you the thing that you're worried about, that you're burdened about right now. He's going to tell you that it's going to be okay. He may not solve it right now. But he's going to clarify that he's for you, that the illness that you're going through, that the, that the financial tension, that the relational rift, he's going to speak to you. He's going to be near and just hear him. And there's some of you here that he's telling you that your next step, he says, you're my child. He says, I love you and I am for you and I am working things out for you for your good. He says, I'm so for you and I'm interceding for you. But what I'm saying to you is that you're my child, you're my son, you're my daughter, and I love you, but you've not acknowledged that I'm your father. And what he's saying to you, some of you, is to receive him, just to receive the forgiveness that he offered on the cross, to receive the grace of Jesus when he shed his blood for your sin, to receive the clean slate that washes your sin whiter than snow, to receive the elimination of your shame, the erasure of your condemnation, to just start off new. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand and I want you to receive it. And I'm just going to pray for you. I pray that you just receive it. 
Okay, that's it. That is the way we are ending this talk. And that is the way that we are honestly ending the series. I'll be back in the next episode with kind of a, a new thing. I would encourage you before we go there, take advantage of the free ebook that is in the links below. You, you can get it anytime. Uh, but, but so often, like while you're here right now, you know, it's just easier to go ahead and just grab hold of it. Okay, that's it. My prayer for you as I sign off, is that the Lord would bless you, He would keep you, He'd be gracious to you, He would shine His face of favor upon you, that you would remember, as Jesus said, my sheep know me, they hear my voice. And so my encouragement to you is that you hear the voice of your heavenly Father. My encouragement is also this, Scripture says, hey, you have, 2 Corinthians, you have the mind of Christ. And so my prayer for you is that you would realize that deep inside the thoughts that you think can be when you lay your agenda down they can be exactly what he is highlighting to you do you see it grace and peace may you have the wisdom to see the high calling of heaven that is on your life grace and peace i'll see you soon